Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Piccolo. Hey, I'd like to welcome you to the Protectors Podcast. A little bit different tonight. We're going to be talking about something going on down in the great state of Florida. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you doing? So tell the audience who you guys are and, and what's going on. So um, I'm Jeffrey Jean Jocks, Executive Director at AMI Kids. Um, here in sunny Southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, um, on on with uh, Allison Bennett, one of my um, caseworkers, um, with any of my kids. Um, just kind of wanted to get on and be able to, you know, let every let the world know who we are, what we do with the kids here in um, Fort Myers, Florida. Great. What is AMI Kids? So AMI Kids is a nonprofit organization that works with at-risk kids, um, kids that have been uh, court-ordered to the program by the court system, also kids that have kind of voluntarily um, uh, decided to come to our program and to receive uh, different types of services, We're talking about uh, educational services, vocational education, as well as treatment services, um, and, you know, one-stop shop type environment, uh, facility-based program. Um, you know, like I said, through from from day one to you know the day that they complete the program, uh, we provide them those different type of services to you know eventually get them ready to uh, transition back into uh, society as um, productive citizens. And AMI Kids has been around since 1991, right? Uh, AMI Kids Southwest Florida has been around since 1991. AMI Kids in itself, as a whole, has been around since 1969. Um, it started out in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, two, ju- two, two friends, a judge and then um, a uh, boat captain, kind of saw a need for an organization like ours being that the judge saw, you know, the same kid over and over, actually the same group of kids over and over coming back and forth into his courtroom. Uh, and like I said, you know, knowing that he had a friend who had a boat and he was a boat captain, decided, hey, listen, we need to find a different avenue uh, for these kids who, you know, consistently getting themselves in trouble. Uh, so, you know, pretty much what can we do to, you know, get them out of the situation they're in? And, you know, henceforth, you know, AMI Kids started in, like I said, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Florida. Uh, that program was originally called FOSI, uh, Florida Oceanic Science uh, Institute. And then, you know, over the years, um, you know, he kind of expanded from that one location, uh, start, went down to Miami and just kind of, you know, really – branched out to many different places, not only in Florida, but as well as um, in South Carolina, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, we have one in Texas. Uh, we got, you know, in nine different states pretty much we're um, located. We have total about 40, 49 programs. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day for the audience. Uh, and what the thing is we've noticed, and I've noticed just because I've been in law enforcement for a while and you know, I teach law enforcement, you know, it's pretty much been my life since I don't even remember when. And a lot of it comes down to recidivism, especially in your youth. And if you can get them when they're at that ask at risk age and, you know, get them before they become the lifelong criminal, then programs like this are absolutely imperative. 
And from what I understand, you guys are having issues right Correct. now. Is, can you, can you kind of tell us about that? And Allie, feel free to jump in there too as well. Yeah, thanks. He's doing a good job. So I'm going to let him roll with it for a minute. So, so yeah, we're definitely having some complications with it. And, you know, the reason why there, there has been a shift, which, you know, honestly, we, at this point, we're still not sure as to what the shift, uh, why the shift occurred from the, uh, you know, um, state level, the, you know, top level in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, with DJJ from going from a, uh, what once, once again, what we're considered as a facility, facility-based model to a community-based model. Um, however, once again, we know that once again, we want to still try to service the same kids, population of kids, uh, within our new model. Um, but the, the biggest challenge is definitely the funding to be able to, um, you know, service those kids. Um, but overall, like I said, there, there is going to be that bit of struggle when, um, you know, when the point we lose the funding to operate the program, to service the kids at full capacity at which we're in right now. Uh, which is definitely going to be tough because, you know, once again, those kids, what they look for is that bit of consistency that we've been providing them since 1991 till now. And, you know, having to go away from the current model to a new model, uh, not only does it, you know, kind of displace a lot of those kids that we're servicing, but then again, you know, you're talking about the continuity that they get from, you know, the staff that were, were there uh, will definitely kind of be a, um, you know, it'll, it'll take a toll on those kids. Yeah, because what you were trying to tell me, I believe, was that the community base and what you're saying is, you know, send counselors, send resources to the, the child or the youth's home rather than have them in the safe environment that you guys provide them. So essentially trying to, correct, you know, it, it, yeah. And, you know, anybody that's been in law enforcement for a day knows that, you know, sometimes a kid needs a safe environment to get away from, especially if the origination of yeah, either doing the bad things or there. Yeah. So what do you, what's the next step? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not one of those ideal situations when you're talking about a kid. Who, well, so the. Uh, we, we lost. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what happened. Um, but the next step is definitely still trying to service those kids in the program model that we have, uh, the new model that we're going to have, uh, which is still providing um, treatment services, vocational education, as well as educational services, but at a smaller scale. Um, but once again, we're, we're still wanting to, you know, be that bit of continuity for those kids because, you know, kind of like you touched on a little bit, um, those kids, when, when you're talking about having to be in one place, uh, and, and receive multiple services in one place to now having to, you know, be told, Hey, listen, you have to go to five or six different places. You know, the likelihood of that kid being successful or being able to actually go and, you know, be actually have the transportation um, or, you know, the, the reliable resources to actually make it to those places to actually become successful or, you know, complete whatever those things are that you're, they're required to do. The, the, the chances of that happening is, you know, very slim. So, you know, for us, you know, and that's what we pride ourselves on as being that one-stop shop, being able to allow those kids to come into us to receive all of those services at, in one place to where, once again, it takes all of the burden off of them and their parents and their family members of saying, hey, listen, we're going to find, 
you know, whatever, we're going to scrounge up whatever money we can, you know, get together and then, you know, have you go to, you know, a treatment facility that's about 30 miles away or go to a school that's, you know, yeah, it's down the block, but you don't have the actual clothing to, you know, feel comfortable mm -hmm. in your skin or in your clothes around your peers. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, is definitely going to be a little different um, for those kids. But at the end of the day, once again, we're trying to, we're going to try to make it as, as, as seamless as possible. And, and as, you know, uh, as, you know, the same way our model, um, you know, was before, you know, we don't want to change it up too much for those kids, but we know what the lo the loss of funding um, from the school district, as well as, you know, uh, Department of Juvenile Justice, uh, it will definitely take um, a different shape um, to which, once again, you know, is definitely out of our control. No, and, you know, I understand that. Um shifting resources and and that's kind of the big thing about why we're talking tonight just kind of shine light on hey you know what if you take away these resources now and these kids end up becoming recidivists or, or they just don't get the support they need then you're it's just going to come back it's like almost like you're robbing peter to pay paul now ali you've been you've been in law enforcement hey, before you started ali's been in law enforcement before and now she works for your organization yeah, so kind of what is your perspective So uh, I knew AMI Kids was a present before I actually was even in law enforcement. I was a child abuse investigator down in this area. But once I found out a little bit more about it, I became a little bit more intrigued. And I became kind of like a guidance counselor, as you could say, as Jeffrey said, a local care counselor, case manager. And I decided I'm, I love law enforcement. I love every aspect about it. And you do see the same kids sometimes over and over again, but the youth that are at our program, which some of them, you know, they're facing things that could go 25 years plus for sentencing. It, it became more of a passion to not let this program grow because you have people from all different backgrounds that are working together to really cover these kids around with a resources that they never had. And so their success in this program really does change lives and I'm so um, on board with it that here I am, you know, like I'm not going anywhere. So with it being in jeopardy, seeing the staff being dedicated to keeping it open, it's, it's pretty remarkable. You know, I, there's a need for the program and the funding cut, we understand, but when you have staff like myself or even Jeffrey and people willing to give up their own salaries, their own money, everything else to continue to operate this particular program. I think that says a great deal about what it means to the people working there and also our dedication to these youth. And you know, Jason, I work with law enforcement groups all over the country. Yeah, definitely. A, and that's um, kind of, that's kind of one of the things is what, what can we do as a law enforcement community and a protectors goes beyond that. It goes to anybody who, it protects our nation. So we're talking about anybody this, this message can reach. What can we do to help you? I think one of the biggest things that we need to do was to get it known, you know, and talking within the group um, that I personally know within the law enforcement group, you have people from, you know, humanizing the badge willing to come down and they see a need for it. So once people understand what the program is, is they want to be involved just as much because of the significance of 
the outcome and what it does do. So getting it known and being able to self-sustain on our own financially with um, fundraisers or whatever it is. You know, these kids are out in the community putting benches on the side of the street because we had an eight-year-old get killed by a driver. That's this, That's these children. So it's kind of not looking at a face sheet on youth, but then really seeing what can we do to change behavior or just see what happened. And as a community, if we all come together and see that, I think it'll be a greater success and even more of a need for these programs nationwide or nationwide already. But shutting the door to this program is substantial because like Jeffrey told you, it's not just the treatment and everything else. They're also getting their voting licenses. They're getting, you know, location services. It's it really needs to be known. Um, well, setting them up private. for success, you know, I mean. Right. It's if you have not a just, and you're walking you know, out, teaching someone to read. Good to go. Right. So. No, exactly. I, I understand. I, you know. So the big thing is getting the message out there that there's a vital program um, helping kids, kids at, at risk. You know, we don't want. You know, my big thing is I don't want to see kids just go into the cycle of incarceration. You know, they go from that, that you only get a small, small chance to save them. And, and you guys both know that. So that's, I mean, I'm glad you're out there talking right. about it. I'm glad you're trying to shine light on this. Now, where can we find you and who and, can we and, talk to? You know, oh, Allie, go ahead. You can you hear me? Yeah, Jeffrey can give you all that information. So you can, you can, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, so you can find us on, you know, many different platforms. We have our website, amikids.org. Um, you can find us on Facebook, amikids Southwest Florida, um, Instagram. We're, we're soon to be on Instagram. We're going to definitely launch that platform very, very soon. Um, Ali is definitely a rock star at, you know, uh, you know, putting things out on um, Instagram. So we're going to be on that platform very soon. Um, but right now, like I said, Instagram, oh, sorry, uh, Facebook and, you know, through our website, amikids.org, um, you can reach, uh, you can look us up through there. And then if anybody needs to contact me directly, um, my cell phone number is uh, area code 850-982-4898. I'm very readily available. My phone is uh, most of the time, you know, some people say it's always on, but some people uh, like Ali may think sometimes I, I ditch and dodge phone calls, but you know, I'm, I'm nine times out of he 10. Does for me. He does for me. <laughs> of no, course. <laughs> no, I, I, but I, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm really available because at the end of the day, my thing is, you know, I don't know who may be get, trying to get in contact with me. It could be one of my former students, it could be a community member. You know, I want to be always available to whoever I can be available to at any given time throughout the day, because, you know, they may be calling out for, you know, uh, a bit of help or saying, hey, listen, how can we help? Um, and, you know, I, I just want to be always available. All of my staff are really always available because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that uh, these kids are given the best opportunity at success. Um, and, you know, we want to be that, that bit of resources for them. No, absolutely. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to provide links after the podcast um, so the audience can take a look at them. We'll, we'll link to the website. We'll link to the social media. Now, is there anything else that you want to tell everybody out there? Jason. I definitely do. Jump on the AMI Kids website. Look us up. 
Um, you know, these kids are in definite, definite need. Um, I understand that in their situation that they're in, you know, talking about at-risk kids who, for one or more reasons, got in trouble with the law, but it's not, you know, the kids doing bad things, just been in bad situations um, that, you know, kind of forced them to, you know, fend for themselves um, that, you know, ended up in, in a, on the wrong path. However, you know, these kids are, are, are great kids. When you come and sit with them and you meet with them, you know, they'll definitely open up to you and, and you know, you'll definitely grow to love them the same way, you know, myself and any of my other staff members, you know, grew to love these kids and want to continue to fight for them day in and day out. Um, and, you know, if you're, you're whatever AMI kids may be, you know, close to you by all means, you know, go in, be led by, you know, one of the students on a tour of the organ of the program and then just kind of find out what can you do to, you know, help support that program, whether it's, you know, monetarily or just in kind um, or just, you know, being a mentor. You know, we look for all types of ways to be able to support our kids and in, in their growth to success. No, absolutely. I agree. I mean, don't let these kids get away from having that mentor. I mean, that just might save their whole life. Now, Allie, did you want to add anything? Yeah, on the mentor part, I mean, I'll just go from experience with my two girls, Jason, that you see on, on my different sites and whatnot. They've been to the school, and the kids at the school um, actually start mentoring them about decision-making and, you know, taking them under their wing where they have a purpose. So if you look on the Protective Protectors 1 or any of my social media, you'll see too. Just last weekend, my daughters are out there, you know, selling Gatorade, books, lime, whatever, to support AMI kids. So the school doesn't close down. And I think that shows a great level of commitment from two little girls that are eight and 11 that see the need for the program. They did that on their own. So if we have kids on our own doing that, then why do we not have more people aware of what's going on so they can see that need as well? Because these kids do mentor even like my kids coming in, you know, trying to change their lives too. And they're helping others, it's helping them. Just like it does for me in law enforcement or you or Jeffrey or anybody else. So it's the people that we're helping that wind up helping us. And those kids are seeing the same thing with those actions. No, I love these programs. And that's why I had you guys on tonight. I want to kind of shine a light on anything we could do to, to help at-risk kids, anything, you know, but I really appreciate So Jason, I think yeah. I'm also, I wanted to tell you this real quick. I'm going to be uh, organizing a couple of fundraisers, which we've discussed and I'll keep you posted on that because at the end of the day, um, we're kind of down to the wire, but with the resources and the network that does believe in these different things um, and even just in the law enforcement community or just in general human services, I'm going to be orchestrating some pretty good, hopefully range days here to find what we cannot meet. So if we could spread those messages, that would be fantastic. Sure. And when we get off here, we'll talk about like setting up the GoFundMe's and wherever else people could donate. And we'll make sure we have links to that stuff as well. But thank you both for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. And thanks, really. I mean, I, thanks for what you're doing. I mean, me, I'm a big proponent of, you know, stopping crime before it happens. And that starts when people are at that age when you can do something about it. Yeah, man. And, you know, listen, th thanks for having us on. Um, it's always great for, you know, somebody like you to be able to see the value of organizations like ours. 
and being able to allow us on your platform and be able to talk about, you know, our organization. Uh, truly appreciate it uh, for, you know, taking that time out of your day to, you know, get us on. Thank you. And thank you, Allie, for being here. Oh, of course. You know I'll bring anything to you. So. Thank you, everybody. All right. All right.